Welcome to The Short-Term Show, the show about short-term rentals and long-term wealth, with real property owners hosting real properties who are crushing it in the vacation and short-term rental space. And here's your host, Avery Carl. This episode of The Short-Term Show is brought to you by The Short-Term Shop. 30-year fixed mortgages, tax benefits, and long-distance management training made easy are just a few of the perks of owning a short-term rental. The Short-Term Shop can help you buy and learn how to manage your property from anywhere in the world. Just go to theshorttermshop.com and click Get Connected. Again, that's theshorttermshop.com, and we are brokered by eXp. See y'all over there. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of The Short-Term Show. Got a super cool guest today. Dare I say, the GOAT of midterm rentals, Jesse Vasquez. How's it going, Jesse? It's gone. Thank you for calling me the goat. That's very nice. And I just found <laughs> out what the goat meant like literally like six months ago. My teenage daughter was like, you know what the goat is, right? I was like, no, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you know. I know. Now I know uh, up until six months ago. So that's pretty cool. Thank you for that. It's very kind of you. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, there's so many things that I'm like, wow, I didn't realize until like last week, I didn't realize that Xander was short for Alexander until I was 34 years old. There's yeah. so many weird little things like that. Yeah. My daughter brought up, uh, or actually my son who's 15 said mid the other day. He's like, oh, that's mid. You know what? Have you ever heard of that before? No. What is that? <laughs> so mid is like what teenagers are saying when something's like, eh, it's like so-so. Like it's oh, like a whatever. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, I get it now, but I'm like, what the heck does mid even mean? <laughs> I guess it's part of like midterm rentals. Here we go. We we could talk about that. But yeah, yeah let's, mid, yeah, mid let's is like it. in between. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up in this space. Yeah. Uh, so I worked in healthcare for 17 years of my life, um, which is a long damn time, just so everybody's listening out there. Um, and I worked in a hospital setting. I worked in the business development side of hospitals. And I, long story short, I've seen clinicians that were coming into the market. There were travel nurses. Um, and there were in all of, I'm in the Bay Area, by the way. So I saw a ton of people in the Bay Area, in the Central Valley that were coming and there were clinicians. Um, and I just basically uh, found out what agencies they're working with and talked to the HR departments and got contracts with the actual agencies rather than the clinicians. So I started making uh, pretty decent money um, hosting these travel nurses that were coming in groups uh, and the agencies were paying me. So it was kind of a little bit of business development, a little bit of legwork to get that in, to get that going. But that's essentially how I started off in, in the space. Okay. So it was kind of a natural progression for you. It wasn't like a, oh, short term's not working, so I'm going to midterm or, you know, whatever it is people are doing these days. Yeah. Yeah. No, actually, I, I saw the need, uh, Avery, and this is where... I, I can explain to a lot of people, like I saw the clinicians coming. I wasn't involved in real estate at all. In fact, my first experiences with real estate were the worst experiences to have. <laughs> my my parents were uh, um, had a ton of properties that came here as immigrants. And I watched them over the years, like get taken advantage of where they were, um, you know, people were staying at their properties, not paying rent. Uh, and we ended up in court, you know, we ended up in court several times. So I watched these things. So subconsciously, it's like, that's when I found my need for real estate. But I saw the opportunity in front of me where there was clinicians that were staying in um, shitty motel sixes. Can I cuss here? Sorry. Yeah. Um, please. Do. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right, cool. So they were staying in these shitty hotels, um, and paying $3,000 a month. And I'm in the central Valley and a clinician could, you know, I could buy a house for $1,500 or be, mortgage would be 1500 bucks. So I can essentially cash flow a thousand dollars 
which in 2015, that was unheard of to cash flow from one door, a thousand dollars. So that was my first introduction to like creating a business, but also being in the business development side. So it came natural to me, as you mentioned before, but that was finding an opportunity in my own backyard. So was this in the Bay area that you were buying houses? No, hell no. The Bay area is way too expensive. <laughs> yeah, I was so. about to say, how do we do that? Somebody <laughs> yeah. No, I was in the Central Valley. So Central Valley is about an hour and some change away from the Bay Area. Um, and nobody wants to come. Like clinicians at that time were getting paid more in the Central Valley. And even now, because it's not a cool place to be, it's basically the armpit of California. Um, <laughs> there's nothing fancy here. It's just a bunch of land and people. Uh, nothing to see, no sightseeing. You know, think of like middle America, Podunk Town. That's exactly where I was at. And this is the cool thing. Is so if I was able to, if I'm able to build a million dollar business in a rural market, imagine what you could do in these bigger cities. And you can do it because we have city property in San Francisco, Berkeley, Oakland, and we're doing extremely well in those markets too. So, um, you know, purchase price is important, but also I think that uh, when you're dealing with these agencies and companies, it's a totally different standard that they're looking at. So yeah, let's talk about that for a minute. So most of your guests, is it called guests in midterm or is it called something else? They're called guests. Yeah, they're called (laughs) guests. (laughs) <laughs> All right. So most of your guests, are they in the medical field or have you kind of evolved into other industries also? Yeah, I've I've evolved for sure. So I would say right now, probably 30% of our business is from the healthcare industry and the other uh, 70% are insurance claims or, um, you know, working with corporate companies, uh, construction, infrastructure companies, things like that. So we have a, a pretty diverse mix um, in this space. And I think that anybody getting into this space should not have one avatar. Unlike, you know, how, you know, short-term, because I have short-term rentals too, where say we have a property and it's just specifically for families in the midterm space, you have to have different avatars that you're going after. Because if I'm only solely going to go in for the say insurance carry contracts, and we could talk about those in a minute, those are very circumstantial. You know, somebody has to lose a property in the right spot and the right zip code for me to have, you know, to, to land that, that, that thing. So in this midterm space, it's really good. It's it's a smart idea to have multiple different avatars to target at one time. So it's completely different from the short-term industry in that way. Yeah, it used to, and it still does annoy me to death, to be honest, when every single person posting in Facebook groups about midterms is like, travel nurses, travel nurses, travel yeah. nurses. And I've met in my 35 years, probably like a thousand times the number of people who want to target travel nurses as I have met actual travel nurses. So is that like a big thing that everybody's like, I'm going to do travel nurses. And then you get in there and there's not that many travel nurses. Yeah. Well, finding the travel nurses is not hard and I'll give everybody actionable stuff they could do to do that. But yes, the problem with travel nurses is that they get per diem pay that's untaxed. And Avery, if you and I got five grand a month, we're probably going to want to stay in the cheapest place because we're paying for our own pocket. Yeah. So as a as a as a landlord, uh, you know, we're an investor. We're not going to be able to make as much money by dealing with the one-off nurses because they're going to be super frugal. They're going to save that cash, um, and they're going to use it for you know investments or whatnot. Um, so that's why I targeted the agencies because they look at you from a totally different lens and they have a totally different standard as far as the you know the amount of income they're going to pay for their clinicians and this is a tax write-off for the companies. But yes, you don't want to just target one avatar. That's the worst thing to do. Um, you know, nurses are great. They're, they're, they do awesome things for our community. But again, at the end of the day, we're not going to make as much money uh, doing that um, as you would like actually going after an agency. So you kind of like go more to directly to the top of the funnel rather than trying to catch the nurses down here. You go to the top to the agencies and say, hey, here's my properties. Put me in your system. Is that how that works? 
Yeah, it's kind of like that. We, I'm more so exactly what I did in my my W two job, so the business development side. So say Avery, you're a recruiter for a company, and we all know what Furnish Finder is. Anybody that's in the midterm rental space, it's essentially where like travel nurses go, and not even travel nurses anymore. A lot of people go to the Furnish Finder to find housing. So I would go through. They have leads that are on there, so it'll say like. Um, Jessica Smith is looking for housing and I'll call Jessica and say, Hey, Jessica, my name's Jesse. And this is a nurse, by the way, that I'm calling. Um, you know, I, I own a company that we house travel nurses. Have you found accommodations yet? And then I'll basically get the information of who her, who her recruiter is. And then I'll call that recruiter and say, Hey, I have a fleet of, you know, 20 homes in this market. We have 10 vehicles. This is how we operate. Is there a way that I can get on a five minute zoom call with you? I will send everybody in your office Starbucks. We have this beautiful thing called Instacart, right? We can send anybody anything anywhere. So essentially, I'm that 1% of people that's actually doing things where this company is going to remember me, where they're not going to remember anybody else around. Um, I know that a lot of people want to get into this space, but you need to be remembered, right? That's what's really important. At the end of the day, it's sales, like whatever we're doing in this space. So as more and more people get involved in the midterm rental space, there's only going to be a very small percentage of people who are actually creating a business on this rather than like listing on OTA and waiting for somebody to book from us, right? Well, I'm actually creating a book of business where somebody can, I can even sell my book of business. So every you're a real estate agent. I have this tangible real estate here on one side, then I have a business that's supplying me with clients on the other side. So essentially I can sell both of these businesses together or separate if I wanted to at one point. So I think that's the biggest thing is that when you create a business, you're creating your Rolodex as opposed to waiting for you know somebody to book you on Airbnb or VRBO or whatnot. Okay. So you're being, you're finding success by being proactive rather than reactive to. Yes. A hundred percent. I think you have to do that now. Uh, you don't have to, but I think that as the interest rates continue to go up, people are going to be, have to be way more creative with finding or penciling in properties. that are going to work even as long-term because it's really hard right now to even do that. I'm in California. We can't buy anything here. That's going to pencil as a long-term. It's just not. Um, and that also works for a lot of part, you know, that's also the same for a lot of part of the parts of the U S you know, it's yeah. hard, to, hard to do that right now. Yeah, it is. I th- saw the extent of my experience in economics is that I watch Squawk Box every morning when I'm making the kids breakfast. <laughs> uh, it seems like maybe the Fed is done raising rates. So we'll see what happens for the next few months, but right. maybe it'll get a little easier here in the future. Uh, in terms of, so, so we talked about Travel nurses. Let's, yeah. let's talk about the other other types of guests and how to get them. And then I kind of want to move into like how to choose a market for these kind of things. So you're doing a mixture of travel physicians and then uh, also the insurance. I couldn't think of the word insurance for some reason. Are those the only two things or you got some other things going too? Yeah, we have like corporate travel um, that we deal with as well, like uh, construction companies that are coming out. Um, so a quick actionable step that somebody could do right now You've heard of Extended Stay uh, America, right? Mm -hmm. So they have the biggest corporate contracts in the entire US. So our team will actually drive by those at night, like at 7 p.m. at night when all these construction workers are back at the hotel. Um, And we'll take pictures like stalkers of the vehicles that are out there. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So say it's like Bob's Construction Company. So we'll call them and they'll have out-of-state plates and we'll say, hey, um, you know, we see that you guys are staying at Extended Stay. Can you tell me how much you guys are paying? And all these companies, they want to save money. So it's essentially, and I'll give you guys a breakdown of how I actually figured this out. Um, you've heard of Dave and Buster's right before, Avery? It's like an adult, you know, it's an adult arcade place. So they were building one of those in my market. And I went there and I saw the truck that was that was parked out front. We took a picture. My team called. I got on a phone call with them. They had seven guys that were staying at a hotel. And they were, the hotel was $200 a night. So essentially that company was paying 
Um, I forget it was like $27,000 a month to have six dudes staying there, were six engineers for Dave and Buster's that were at this place and they were there for six months. So I went to them and I said, Hey, I have a, a five bedroom home. We can accommodate all your guests and you know, when our fee is only $10,000 all inclusive. So we're saving that company literally $20,000 by staying with us. My mortgage is $1,800. So I'm cash flowing, you know, $8,000 a month on one single property. And that was me just literally being proactive, thinking outside the box, going to these things. And again, the more problems you solve, the more opportunities you're going to get. And I think that um, a lot of people don't think about business in that way. And if they do, it's a different type of business. It's not the actual real estate business. Um, so for me, these are opportunities for companies. We save them money. I'm making eight grand, you know, a month on a single family home by a bedroom. And that's, you know, that's just through a construction company that's, that's here in town. So if you make it, and I make it sound simple, you know, there's a lot of phone calls that you got to make and a lot of outreach, but you got to find out about these companies and how you can save the money and solve problems for them. And essentially over time, that's how you build, uh, you know, you build your business. Wow. That had never occurred to me. This, this is the kind of stuff that I want to hear about, like the stuff that not anybody's really talking about, like, Oh, I'm going to throw this on furnished finder and get travel nurses. This is, I really like this. This is great. Yeah. Um, okay. So you've got your travel physicians, you've got corporate travel. Let's talk about insurance. Yeah. Insurance is probably my favorite out of all these, uh, Avery. So if a family loses their home due to a fire flood or some kind of like, um, you know, a crazy event that happens, you know, even hurricanes and weather and fire and all that stuff, um, insurance companies have to pay for these clients to go stay somewhere, right? That's part of the process. Um, so what I've done over the years, I've been able to build a rapport with these actual relocation specialists. And now these relocation specialists will go to me for every single insurance claim um, to solve their problem for them. Um, so for me, just being able to help families that lose their properties. Um, when I first started Avery, it was all about the income that I make because you can 5X long-term rental rates through working with insurance companies, literally 5X. Uh, and I was all about the money until I met one family. And this family was just like, I just want to, they had three different hotels they were staying in. They were in a crappy hotel. That's where the insurance put them. And this lady named Erica, she's like, I just want to be able to eat with my family at the table. Um, that's exactly what she said to me. And she's like, that's what we did every night. We can't do it that way now. We're all in separate hotel rooms. It's, we can't, we don't fit in one space. So at that time, I like, I literally flipped my business to being about income to about serving people. And once I did that, Avery, everything changed. My whole philosophy with business changed. My ideas with housing people changed. Um, so for me, the insurance claims are, um, you know, taking essentially somebody that's lost everything with their home and being able to make them feel comfortable in, you know, in a property that you have essentially for, for them. So, um, and again, it pays really well. So you're able to like check mark, you know, feeling good about keeping a family in home, making the decent income, and then providing again, the relocation specialists, connecting with them, building relationships. That's where you get to make long-term um, wealth and long-term connections with these companies. Cause they're going to go to you every single time. Um, so that's, that's kind of, essentially, it's going back to what I did in my W2 job. Same thing I did with the healthcare industry. It's the same concept all around. If you think about it. Yeah, that, and that is, it is nice to be able to do something rewarding, like to feel like you're helping someone and making an impact on their life and not just, you know, saving a, a company a few bucks like yeah. with the corporate travel. So that's really nice. Hey guys, hope you are enjoying this week's episode of the short term show. We are loving it. We are loving interviewing all these guests for you guys, and we hope you're getting a lot of value out of it. And we just, we really love you guys. We love you so much that we have created a community just for you. We have a Facebook group specifically for short term rental investors, and there are tons of great 
posts every day, sharing best practices, learning new things from other short-term rental investors. And we would love to see you over there. The name of the group is the same name as my book, Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth. Head over and join the conversation. We look forward to seeing you over there. Thanks, guys. Hopefully you guys are finding all of these short-term show episodes to be really helpful. We certainly hope that you are, but maybe you have more questions and you just want to be able to ask an expert a certain question here and there. Well, we have at the short-term shop open office hours on Zoom every Thursday and you can sign up for free. So if you head over to strquestions.com, you can sign up to hop on and we will answer any questions that you have on short-term rental investing. Again, it's every Thursday and you can sign up at strquestions.com. How many markets do you own units in? Yeah. So I have Central Valley right now. Yeah. Right now we have Central Valley, uh, Bay Area, and in Houston, Texas. So we're in three separate markets right now. Um, completely. Yeah, and they're all, they're all completely like a hundred percent different central Valley. I mean, you could buy a house for 350 K, you know, the Bay area, you're looking at a million dollars just to get a, you know, a box and some windows and then Houston, you know, it's, it's Houston. So you can pick up something for about 400 K out there, maybe a little bit less. Yeah. Are there any, do either or any of those markets lend themselves better to any one of your business funnels? Yeah. So I could tell you right now, uh, I just held a midterm rental conference in San Diego um, last week and Furnish Finder was there and they have some brand new data that is um, going to come to their website in the next couple of weeks. So they can actually see where migration of these companies are going, where these agencies are hiring. So California, Florida, Illinois, Texas, um, and North Carolina are some of the f- most underserved states as far as you know dealing with midterm rental folks. Um, so there's a lot of uh, demand there, but there's not enough properties to meet the demand for a lot of these places. So that's tech workers, that's, you know, healthcare industry. Um, so there's a lot of people that are heading in those spaces. And once Furniture Finder puts this data out, you guys are going to see it. It's There's a tremendous amount of opportunity. In fact, it was 14 to one requests that were uh, for each homeowner. Like literally it was 14 requests that were coming in for one property in each one of those states. So if you have a property in those markets, you have a tremendous opportunity to build an actual midterm rental business. Like I'm talking about, like I'm creating a business rather than just listing, uh, being in one of those states. I mean, there's 14 inquiries to one property, which is pretty awesome. Wow. Yeah. So that's, that's really cool. So if you're, if you're getting started in this business and are there any type, like what's your advice for how to choose a market? So I have a theory. I might be completely wrong about this because I've never been in this industry before. Do they send traveling physicians more to like underserved areas where people don't really want to live, where they have to like bring people in? Because I had this last year and I've told this story before on here. So sorry, guys, for if you're having listened to it again. My husband severed a tendon in his thumb on our motorhome trip in Devil's Tower, Wyoming, which was two hours from any kind of (laughs) even like half-assed emergency room. And yeah. so we ended up in Gillette, Wyoming. And I, I'm like, I, my dad had actually just done the same thing. The men in my family do not need to have pocket <laughs> knives. It's always a pocket oh, knife accident. So anyway, my dad had just done it. And I'm like, man, I think you might've got that tendon because it's not moving. And so we started looking at like, who in the world is going to do the surgery around <laughs> here? And we're like, man, we're in the middle of nowhere. It's going to be somebody that doesn't know what they're doing. And then the surgeon that we got, she had this amazing resume of like Johns Hopkins, University of Texas, Hand Center, like all this great stuff. And we're like, how the hell did she end up here? <laughs> and so we asked her and she's like, oh yeah, they just sent me here because it's underserved. So is that a thing? 
That is 100% a thing. And that's why I was saying that like you could be in rural markets and if you build a business, you're going to get that client every single time. Um, and that's where, that's where it's at. It's essentially, that's what happened in the central Valley. There was all these clinicians that were coming here. They couldn't meet the demand for patients. Um, they didn't have enough uh, nurses to meet the demand, uh, for the patients as well. And then doctors, we just didn't have enough doctors in these, in these markets either. So you don't necessarily have to be in a rural market. You can be in an urban market. Um, so there's like level one, level two hospitals. Those are trauma hospitals. Those are like what you see on Gray's anatomy where, you know, they have a, they have a brain surgeon available. They have like all these specific type of surgeons. Then you have level three, level four, and level five hospitals. And Avery, you guys are probably at level five, where there's literally like, if you get any stitches, like that's all they're going to be able to do is just put stitches in you. <laughs> they're going to transport you out to a level three for a cardiac or whatever issue. Um, but a lot of those times with those hospitals, they'll hire these very, very well, uh, well-renowned doctors to come work in them because there's not enough clinicians or there's not any, 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 uh, you know, clinicians to meet the demand for the patients there. So, or that are even have the higher tier. So this is one thing that I do. Um, and everybody could do this right now, listening to this. So you just go to indeed.com. So for everybody listening right now, go to indeed.com. That's where you, where you go find jobs, right? Where you go look for a job and just type in whatever city you're in and then type in travel nurse, travel RN or travel doctor. And you'll literally see all these companies that are hiring in those markets. So that's how I get a good understanding. Like, okay, is this, is this a market where um, there's going to be a lot of clinicians going and all that stuff on Indeed is live data. They can only, for those of you listed on Indeed, you usually only have three weeks to post and then they take it off. So that's actually true data that's showing who's hiring. And the cool thing about that, Avery, is that I can actually call those companies and I can actually talk to the recruiter because sometimes they'll have the recruiter on the bottom of who's hiring. So I can actually start building a relationship with these companies for free by going to indeed.com and seeing what the demand is in that market um, just by literally looking at a search. Um, so that's, that's how I usually will gauge it. And then also obviously look on furnish finder. It shows you stats on there too. So furnishfinder.com slash stats, it'll show you how many people are, uh, have property there, how many people are searching for property and how many people have actually sent requests. So that gives you a good understanding of what the market's doing. That seems like such a simple piece of advice, but it's so genius. Like I wouldn't even think to, to do that, but yeah. it just, it's, common sense really and yeah. you're dropping so many knowledge bombs i love it <laughs> yeah no that, it really is and i think that's where the average person is going to be uh they're like oh my god how am i going to get involved in this this is going to be super hard like it's not as hard as it seems you just gotta what's what's the biggest thing an investor needs to, to look at right how many people are going there job growth uh what's the income of these people like those simple things you just kind of reverse it how many people are coming in this market where are they coming from what's the job sectors there is there infrastructure happening? What's the next five years look like? Are they hiring new? Uh, are they making new hospitals in those in those markets? Are they? Is there demand still coming in? So you can look in a random place in Iowa, and you can pr probably find some opportunity, especially if you build a relationship with somebody in those markets. And you can be in the podunk middle of nowhere, but that relationship is going to always serve you. They're always going to be sending you clients because you're that one go-to person that's a solutions provider specifically for that market. Wow. Okay. So. <laughs> You got so you said you have to have more than one avatar. So let's say I've um, we're going to use Gillette Wyoming because that was my example earlier. So yeah. I think maybe I want to buy a a property for midterm in that area. So I'm looking. I found like yeah, okay, they are there are jobs for travel nurses, travel doctors coming in. How do I know what sort of insurance business I might be able to get? Are there areas that that you have more of those types of things happening? Like, should you go to Florida and buy something just inland and wait for a hurricane <laughs> to happen? Like what, how do you yeah. do that? You could do that. I mean, you could do that, but I've noticed that a lot of places like Philadelphia, Boston, all these places that have, that have homes 
that were built in the early 1900s have faulty wiring systems. So there's even towns that were built that have homes from the 1940s, 1930s, 1920s. They have faulty wiring systems. So there's a certain criteria you look at. And if you talk to these insurance adjusters, and this is what I did, I did a lot of homework. Like I went to adjusters, I went to B&I meetings where there was literally um, insurance agents that were sitting next to me. And I'd asked, I'm not even kidding you, 100 questions. Like, where do you see more of these fires? Like, where do you see floods? What happens? Like, what's the circumstance, situations? And a lot of it was going back to the older homes that were built in, um, you know, the early 1900s, um, and that there's faulty wirings that were happening, were causing house, you know, house fires. So I actually had a, a company that, um, an insurance company that I talked to, and they showed me a map of the entire U.S. and where all the the recent uh, fires happened, and the, and and it showed me that like a lot of this, like Philadelphia, Boston, New York. California and like the older areas. So a lot of those homes that have those faulty wiring systems, that's where a lot of these things happen. So if you're looking to in house insurance companies or claims, you know, how fires are just one. So another thing too, every every 80 sec every 88 seconds, a fire or flood happens in a property where a person needs to be relocated. So if you think about that, and that's in the US. So there's these opportunities that happen all over the place. And if you're more in an urban market, you have a better opportunity. But again, the insurance claims are very circumstantial where like you have to be in the right place. The families that lose their home want to be in the same zip code that their property was in before because their kids are going to school there. So you, you know, my, my thought process for this is if you're going to be building in a market, you know, go deep in that market, buy multiple different homes, be in different area codes so that you have ability to serve multiple different people. Don't just buy in one specific, one specific spot. But again, this is why it's important to have different avatars in the midterm rental space. So you're not just like specific to one type of clientele. Um, if that makes any sense at all, Avery. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you've just about got me going to get on Zillow to look <laughs> for properties. And I've been like up until right now, like we've got too many. Like, I'm not messing with anything else. And now I'm like, oh, let me let me go look. This sounds <laughs> Gillette. <laughs> Is that where the razor came from? Is that where they're built making that? What do you mean? Oh, Gillette. Gillette I, I don't know. I yeah. have no idea. Cause no. it's not like in the cool part of Wyoming. <laughs> There's not a lot of mountains or anything. It's just like the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I do love the entire state of Wyoming is fun. Um, yeah. I hear you on that. So there so, you go. That's your, that's your next investment. Yeah. Gillette, Wyoming. Let's there do it. it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So let's talk about managing these units. So we talk a lot about, you know, managing a number of short-term rentals and the tools you use to do that. How do we do midterms? What's different about that? Yeah. So there's really not much different about managing midterm than there is short term. So I've had short term rentals for a long time too. Um, we use the same software. So I use IGMS, which is a property management software. So IGMS is going to allow you to connect calendars. We have a direct booking site. So our direct booking site will then integrate with that calendar. So if somebody books, it will block out that calendar for X amount of time. Um, so essentially it's the exact same thing as monitor, you know, property managing a short term rental. But the the caveat to this is that you get these clients for 30, 60, 90, 180 days. I forget they're even there a lot of times, Avery. Like we have, <laughs> you know, follow-up messages that come through. It's not like short-term rentals where somebody's like, hey, the TV remote's not working or, hey, your charger plug's not working. Like a lot of the people that live in these properties are actually essentially living there. Like they'll go buy their own stuff a lot of the time. So you're not having to deal with the, you know, like the headaches that you typically would get from short-term rentals. So it's a completely different type of client. Um, they're professional. A lot of times they're they're on assignment, they're working and whatnot. So um, you know, it's, it's just a completely different avatar. And you've probably hosted these folks before in some of your properties were essentially there for 90 days and you don't really hear from them very much. So, um, but as far as the management goes, it's literally the same thing, except we're doing leases 
And yeah, I was about to, that was my next question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you definitely want to have somebody refuse to leave. No. And this is the cool thing. Oh. Remember how I talked about my parents, how they like subconsciously, like I was doing the opposite of what they were doing by creating these leases and stuff. These are corporate workers. And a lot of the times these agencies, Avery, or actually they're the leasees of the company. And then they're subleasing my property to the clients that are staying there. So these are multi-million dollar companies and they're actually on the lease rather than the actual guest. So that's one of the things that I really love about this is that I'm in California. So, you know, in California, you basically give your house away, right? That's, that's how the uh, governor Newsom has, <laughs> like you, you, they're, they're, you just, your properties are not safe here. It's not tenant friendly or it's tenant friendly. That's we'll put it that way. Um, so for me, I have the luxury of knowing these agencies are actually the leasees rather than the clients themselves. And again, they're professional people. They're not, I've never had any issues like that, even renting, renting directly to um, these folks that, that are traveling. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess they're traveling, they have to go home. So there's no reason for them to want to stay in your house too long. For free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Awesome. So what else, what else have I not asked? So we're getting towards the end of time here, but what have I not asked that's either really important or new investors might need to know about this asset class? Yeah. Well, I think, I think the biggest thing is, um, you know, just get educated in the space that a lot of people, there's not really a whole lot of information out there. Midterm rentals have been around for a long time, but now they're far, starting to get uh, popularity because of the regulations that are coming into, into cities. So I would caution every short-term rental investor, that's probably a big portion of your listeners, is to think about exit strategies. So if you're in a place that's not regulated right now with short-term rentals, it's kind of in that gray area where there's nothing there. Um, think about different avatars now, because if something happens, just like me and Modesto, that's where I have a lot of properties, they regulated it. There is a gentleman that works for the council uh, and he owns hotels. So they decided no more short-term rentals because he's, you know, has a big stake in that. And all of a sudden, all the short-term rental industry in Modesto is completely closed down. If I didn't have an exit strategy, which was a midterm space, I would be SOL. So, um, you know, this can happen anywhere. And as more, more and more cities get regulated, we're going to have to think of other way, alternative ways to be able to build our businesses and get that same type of cash flow. Um, so I'd encourage everybody to think about exit strategies, think about midterm rentals as an option just in case, or even during slow season. Like there's an opportunity there for you in the short-term space if it slows down to, to operate as a midterm rental. My my wheels are definitely turning here. All right, but we do we do have to end the show. So we have three questions that we ask everyone who comes on the show at the very end. The yeah. first one is, what advice would you give 20-year-old Jesse? 20-year-old Jesse would be um, have big dreams, have big ideas, have big thoughts from day one. Um, I know if you're just picking up your first property or whatnot, like have a big vision of where you want to go. Um, I think a lot of times people just start without having any direction and without having a direction or big dreams in general, you're kind of limited, very, you know, you're in a small category to be able to grow. So have big, big dreams. That would be the first one. Great advice. Second, kind of similar to that, but I'm going to make you come up with a different answer. What, <laughs> what advice would you give a new investor who's looking to get started today? Yeah, this is probably one of the most common answers you get is just surrounding yourself with people that are doing the exact thing that you're wanting to do. Um, so if that's getting the midterm space, short-term space, you know, create a network, be involved in that work network. Um, you know, you guys all heard before your network is your net worth. And I think there's something beautiful about being around people that are either uh, doing what you're wanting to do or on a higher level, but surround yourself with those individuals that's going to help you grow a lot faster. 
Totally agree with that. And be cool and genuine when you start surrounding your pe- yourself with people and networking with people. Don't be that person. Uh, clearly, I'm triggered because it's happened to me before. Uh, <laughs> don't be that person who's like at a conference talking to somebody who's like very obviously looking behind that person's shoulder to see like who more important might walk by that you can snag. Like be genuine yeah. with people. Totally agree to that. By the word networking. So <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, I agree. I think, you know, and I think networks networking to some degree is kind of overrated right now, but that's why like really get your small network together, like small group of people and really kind of do things together. And that's why I love like Facebook groups and things like that. You can connect with people all over the U S doing one thing because uh, networking is so broad, right? You go to these conferences, you meet so many people, but actually get involved with them directly, you know, text, phone calls, emails, like really get connected. Because uh, networking, like I said, I, I feel like that word is a little overrated. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. Yeah. Last one, Jesse. What is your favorite book that's impacted your mindset? Oh, I didn't look at these questions before uh, beforehand. Um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. By far, probably one of the best books that I've read very early in my life. Uh, and it's held true. Uh, again, we talk about relationships. That's what I've been doing you know, in my W-2 job. That's what I do now. Uh, and that book really kind of narrows down on uh, how to attract people, how to connect and build relationships, how to think about other people rather than yourself and really have interest in other people. And it's about serving other people. And I think that once you start having, you know, pieces of that pie and you, inc- you put that into your own business, you have a lot of opportunity that can, you know, you have a lot of opportunity for you to grow and essentially help other people. Uh, so for me, that book was definitely a, um, a game changer. All right. Great, great recommendation. Yeah. Have you read that? I have not. Oh yeah. Check it out. Well, you're a good people person already. So uh, maybe it won't, <laughs> you. but there's a lot of good little nuggets in there for, for people. I'm an introvert by nature. So for me, okay. like that book <laughs> really, really like helpful in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely am an introvert myself. So like going to conferences and stuff like takes a lot out of me. <laughs> yeah. I I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm still uh, from the conference I had last week. I'm still, still kind of filling, filling the after effects. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. Well, yeah. all right, Jesse, uh, if people want to follow you, learn more about you, connect on social media, any of that, where can they do that? Yeah. So you can find me on uh, the gram, as my daughter says, who's a, a youngster. Uh, so you can find me at therealjessevasquez.com. Um, and I have a YouTube channel where I talk about all these things that you guys heard about today. Um, and that's just Jesse Vasquez uh, on YouTube. So you guys can find me there. And um, Avery, it's been awesome. I've always been, I've been a huge fan of yours for many years now. And uh, I'm glad to finally meet you. Oh, well, thank you so much. Now I'm going to go buy a couple of midterm rentals and say, <laughs> well, Jesse taught me how to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's go. All right. Well, cool. Well, thanks so much for coming on and we'll catch you again sometime soon, I hope. All right, cool. Thanks, Avery. Yeah, thanks, Jesse.